Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the 1865 Match Report with me, Rich Ferraro. Uh, it's Saturday the 3rd of August and it's the day when Forrest disappointingly lost 3-2 at home to Bournemouth after leading by two goals at half-time. Coming up, we'll be talking to our man at City Ground. We'll get a view from the away end, and we'll have a roundup of the deadline day transfers. But first of all, the team news for Forest, and there were a couple of changes from the defeat at Man City. Uh, we had Dean Henderson in goal, a back three of Worrell, Cook, and McKenna, with Williams and Renan Lodi at wing backs. Ryan Yates was partnered by Czech Cliate in the middle of the park, and we had the front three of Gibbs, White, Johnson, and Lingard. Now, Baz, welcome. You were at your first match of the season at the City Ground. Obviously, the second half and the result weren't good. But before we get into that, how was the Premier League match day experience for you? Um, first thing I noticed was uh, Freed from Desire has joined the, the pre-match uh, song playlist, um, which made me quite happy. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it was it was good to start with. It was very, very warm, obviously, for, for this time of year. Um, and it was nice. It was my first Premier League visit since um, the 20th century. Well, yes, yes. OK. So, so the first half, on the face of it, Forrest went in at half-time, leading 2-0. Uh, the first goal came from a header from Cheku Kiate. And the second one on the stroke of the interval with a penalty from Brennan Johnson. Now, this could be a bit of uh, revisionism, but I've seen a few people saying, well, we didn't really deserve to be in the lead at half-time, or certainly didn't deserve to be 2-0 up. So what do you think? I wouldn't say, I don't say, wouldn't say we didn't deserve to be 2-0 up, because they were both good goals. But we didn't look... Fluent, and we did look like a team that didn't know each other. That against um, against West Ham and against Spurs, we looked like the For- Steve Cooper's Forest side. But today we didn't look like that. Um, in partic- I mean, I said after in our group chat after two minutes or something, I said 
um, Lodi's now my new favourite player. And that's because there was a bit where Gibbs White was um, was trying to clear the ball, ran into a load of Bournemouth players. So he did a back heel that found Lodi. Lodi did this beautiful crossfield ball to pick out Williams on the other side. And you could just see in that in that snapshot, you could see everything he was going to give the side. But then the rest of the half, you could see he hadn't played with us very much because he was bombing forwards, but he was timing his runs all wrong. So he wasn't able to receive the ball. Or when um, Williams was bombing forwards, Lodi wouldn't spot him and therefore couldn't get him the ball. So, and that was the, the case throughout the entire um, throughout the entire first half, and the, even worse in the second half. Mm, okay, and uh, you mentioned so. Let's just discount Man City because I think we all agree that Erling Haaland is essentially a freak of nature. Man City are one of the best teams in the world, and we were always going to lose that, and it wasn't that big a surprise we got tanked. Mm. Let's discount that match. Let's think back to Tottenham, where we gave a very creditable performance and essentially Harry Kane was the difference. And in that match, Forrest played with the same kind of style and format with the front three, but no strikers. I guess one big difference was that Lewis O'Brien was in the middle of the park compared to Czech Coyote today. Um, And they looked fluent, they looked dangerous, they looked as if they had some forward impetus... So what was the difference today? Well, I mean, I would say, actually, Coyote probably was our best player. Um, he, the, I think the problem, and maybe it's where O'Brien is different, is both Coyote and Yates were very, very mobile. But again, because they didn't know each other, they were both running at the same time, leaving a massive gap in the middle of the park, which... In the second half, Bournemouth changed their formation to exploit, and that's why we went down the way we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and but that, that's that's what it comes down to is I think the I, I think I was surprised against Spurs that we we played the front three that we did. Uh, I was surprised to see it again today because I think when you don't have a proper and a, a one year type player, then the ball just comes back at the, those three were right up against their defence a lot of the time. So there was a big gap between them and the midfield. And then when they received the ball, they couldn't make it stick up there, so it would come straight back at us. Mm. And by then, Yates and Coyote had moved out of position, so there was a big gap for them to run into. So we were giving, not, we were giving them momentum, even in the first half. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll come back to Bournemouth's uh, tactical and formation changes in a little while. Um, just one thing about Coyote getting a goal... Um, having bemoaned the quality of a lot of set-piece deliveries so far this season, uh, Gibbs-White had obviously been practising, hadn't he? Because that was a much better delivery. And also, I think it's fair to say, that was a really, really strong header from Chiati because he was running away from the goal and he, he used his neck and shoulder muscles to, to kind of put it powerfully into the goal. But just to counter that as well, I'm pretty certain that Gary O'Neill and the Bournemouth defence will be unhappy at the way they conceded it. Well, yeah, I mean... From from where I was, I just saw him rise up above everyone, and I mean he's he's a tall lad, but he's no taller than say Billing. Billing was probably bigger than him. Well, Billing's another freak of nature, isn't yeah, he? So. But but I mean yes, for him to to basically get a free header 
and be a foot above everyone else, I think, yeah, Bournemouth will be looking at themselves for that. Yeah, and having talked about the difference between selecting Kuyate and O'Brien, I mean, one of the key differences is that Kuyate is basically a foot taller than O'Brien, <laughs> isn't it? And bearing in mind, we've seen Bournemouth bully us over the last couple of years through extra height in the box and so on. So it's not hard to see why he's chosen to put Kuyate, Yates, Worrell, McKenna and Cook as kind of taller... I know Cook's not that big, but having the taller players... Um, to, so to not get bullied out of it physically. But then that also then begs the question, why have three physically slight players up front uh, when we've got bigger players that, that, could, that could deal with um, Bournemouth's defence better? Well, quite. OK, um, let's talk about the second goal. So, I mean, the thing that was most notable about it was the fact it took a full five minutes for VAR to, yeah. to make the decision. Um, and even having made the decision, I have to say... Given some of the decisions about handballs made by VAR in recent weeks, I was a little bit sceptical about whether this is going to get awarded just because the ball went across into the box. Bournemouth tried to clear the first ball. It came up to Nico Williams. He volleyed it. And Lloyd Kelly was going down. It hit his both his hands, actually. Uh, to me, it was pretty clear cut that it hit his hands. But the question being... Is that enough in this day and age? And so VAR kind of spent a bit of time umming and ahhing about whether it was a natural position. Was he too close? Could he avoid it? Etc. Etc. And I did then read, I did read something saying that, that there was a possibility of an offside in the build-up as well. Yes. So what I can tell you is that they did look to see if there was uh, an offside. I think it was Johnson who was running in behind the back line. He was deemed to be onside. They got the lines out and everything. So that took another couple of minutes. And then after that, they went back to the handball got the referee to go over to the monitor and have a look at it, which he kind of said, yeah, it was a handball, which is what I gave. Mm -hmm. But that took a full five minutes. And no one got booked for it. The goalkeeper got booked, I think, for dissent. Well, no. So what was happening while VAR was going on, the Bournemouth players were busy scuffing the penalty spot. Oh, was that right? Yes, they were making a right mess of it. And Gibbs White went to complain to the referee, and that's why the keeper got booked. Okay, that's quite interesting. So, um, yeah, but having said that, the keeper was the (laughs) only one who did get booked. Um, So, given that big delay, it was good to see that Brennan Johnson kept a cool head. Although I did say, <laughs> I did say when the when penalty went in, that's basically the same penalty that Harry Kane took against us last week, which, <laughs> which Henderson saved. It was a similar height. It was going and it, it hit the side netting, which is what Kane's penalty was going to do. So maybe the difference is just that Henderson better prepared, more agile, a bit quicker than Bournemouth's goalkeeper Neto, who went the right way but didn't get there. Would you agree? Yeah, probably, yeah. OK. So at halftime, it was 2-0 to the Reds. The second half saw Bournemouth make a tactical change and this I think is noticeable because I'm not sure that Scott Parker would have made this change but he's not the manager anymore and Gary O'Neill having seen his team be beaten 9-0 he then oversaw a 0-0 draw away at Wolves and today he made a tactical change which was really really important so he brought on a right wing back and went to three at the back and that made all the difference didn't it because it meant that Bournemouth were matching us positionally but they had that kind of you know you were saying in the first half that Forrest didn't quite have that cohesion maybe as a result of having players playing with each other for the first time well Bournemouth definitely did didn't they yeah and the the net result was 
I mean, Yates was doing a little bit. I, I don't want to criticise him too much because a lot of the people in the stands were criticising him and we know what happened when we criticised Yates last season. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, But he was doing a little bit of his headless chicken thing, mm-hmm. um, not really knowing which part of the pitch he was supposed to be on, so he was just running from one place to the other. Okay. Kayate, being a very mobile midfielder as well, was basically doing the work of both of them mm-hmm. and then Bournemouth matching us. Then when what they were doing was they were positioning themselves to block our passing lines completely, completely blocked our passing lines. So we couldn't do anything in possession and then they were dominating the centre of the pitch and that's basically what put them back in the game. Okay, so there's let's talk about the first goal that Bournemouth scored because it will lead us on to another topic of conversation. So the ball broke, um, Forrest cleared the first ball and then Jesse Lingard went to challenge, I think, with Lewis Cook. Uh, it was maybe about 15 yards into the forest half. And Cook basically shrugged off Lingard, uh, played the ball across to Philip Billing. Billing had a, just, he's one of those players, you give him a couple of yards of time and space, he can hit a rocket. And that's exactly what he did. So I've got no issue with the shot being excellent and being too powerful for Henderson to get near. I do think there was too much space for Billing. Really, we should have been closing him down quicker. And that's a criticism I've had of Forrest in that those gaps between the back back line and the central midfield allow the opposing midfielders to run into it. But the main thing I want to talk about is Lingard got shrugged off. And you talked about Yates running around being a bit of a headless chicken. Is that because the Forrest front three, the three mobile attacking midfielders playing as forwards... Really, one of those at any one time needed to be dropping into the middle of the park. Am I right? Yes. Well, I mean, I've not looked at it back. I was at the game where I was sat, where I sit near the halfway line, and what you were saying about the space, from my memory of it, basically there was the back, our back three. Then there was 10 yards of empty space and then billing with the ball and then our midfield and and our attackers beyond that. Mm -hmm. So there was at least 15 yards of empty space for Bournemouth to play in. Mm -hmm. And so billing, basically, he could take his time and and it was a beautiful shot. But it is exactly that is if we're playing those that front three and then two behind them, Mm -hmm. those you, you need one of those two at least to sit. Well, yes. So. One of the criticisms about the old-fashioned 4-4-2 is that you've just got three lines of players. Mm. And that's exactly what Forrest had today by playing a, quite a flat 3-4-3. Mm. And, and, and what was noticeable is on the Radio Nottingham commentary, Brian Laws did say after um, Billing's goal, well, Lingard's got to drop in. And then he said, and now he is being, he's obviously been asked to drop in a bit more. But the danger of playing those three is that there's a lot of similarities in the way they play, in that they're all front foot players, pacey, looking for a pass, looking to get in behind. Whereas last season, I'm not saying this would have worked in the Premier League, but last season, Zinkenagel, he was a workhorse as well as, yeah. as well as playing in that number 10 role. So he wasn't necessarily the most effective number 10 at times where you'd get frustrated because his... And he wasn't of, a great defender, but he, he did... But he, he did put, the work. Yeah, he put himself in those positions. And so I think that that is one of the problems that you have with playing those front three attacking midfielders. They're all trying to do the same thing and none of them are dropping in and helping out. Yeah, and I, th- I, think, I think the big mistake today, and I'm sure we'll come to this later, was playing those front three, that front three. Mm-hmm. I think 
a different choice there would have made all the difference in the game. Okay, let's move on because you'd mentioned Yates and Yates was at the heart of the equalising goal from Bournemouth but quite inadvertently. So, again, we're talking about first balls and second balls. The first ball was repelled. Morgan Gibbs-White went up for a header on the edge of the box and he got, it wasn't malicious but he did get clattered a bit. Ref didn't see anything wrong with it. The ball broke. Yates blocked the shot and he took it in the face. So, Gibbs White, the foul wasn't given. Replays shows quite clearly, it wasn't, I say, it wasn't a bad foul, but it was clearly the, the Bournemouth player, kind of the way he went in, you'd imagine that most refs would give that foul most times. But it wasn't given. Yates blocked the ball, he had to have treatment. When you have treatment, you have to go off the pitch. After the ball deflected off his face, it went out for a corner. So, we've got one of our six foot, six foot plus players who's off the pitch when we're defending a corner. We all know the law's there for a reason. We also all know that it can disadvantage a defending team. And I think it's pretty fair to say that, once again, poor defending because Lloyd Kelly had... Steve Cook let Lloyd Kelly go. Kelly headed it back into the penalty spot. And Dom Solanke, with a really good scissor kick finish... But Yates would have been there, wouldn't he? Yeah, that was exactly... I'm not going to complain about Yates not being on the pitch. I'm no. not going to complain about the foul not being given because from where I was, it was like, it, it looked 50-50. Yeah. It was, that's fair enough. I say, I needed a replay to yeah, see it. it was, yeah. and, and when Yates went down, one of the things I did notice was two Forest players immediately came over and, and shouted at the referee and called him over. Mm. So whatever it was, whether it was bleeding or something, or he had a nosebleed or whatever it was, the Forest players thought it was serious. Mm-hmm. And then we were quite surprised because of that that seriousness of it that they then gave the corner. But mm-hmm. so, but uh, you can't complain at that, and that's that's the way no. it goes. But it was it was pro- probably, and again, this maybe this is part of the same thing, which is that the team don't know each other. You would expect someone to be hang on, who's who's taking Yates's role, mm-hmm. and in a defensive set piece. <laughs> Yeah, um, you'd expect someone, and you, you, you'd probably say that's probably Joe Worrell's job to make sure that someone's responsible for that. Or yeah, so Worrell is the captain, and then experienced players like Cook and Kuyate. But but uh, I'm afraid to say that Cook was the one who probably he's the one who didn't track his man. He knows mm. Lloyd Kelly well. He he kind of helped bring him up for the last couple of years at Bournemouth, and he let him get away from him t- too easily. Um, it wasn't difficult movement to track, but he he just lost his man. Anyway, this isn't about throwing blame at individuals. It is a team, team issue, isn't it? Mm. So, to all, did you think we were going to lose it at that point? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about a few other bits and pieces. Um, so there were some substitutions made, as you'd expect. And um, one of the things that's kind of worth noting is that having started with no strikers, as we have done a couple of times, we ended up bringing on the two number nines uh, in Awanyi and Emmanuel Dennis. And it was... Uh, <sighs> Did it make a difference? Did you see a tangible, not necessarily in terms of what those individual players did, but in terms of the style of play and what it did to Forrest's shape? Well, um, I thought, first of all, Awanyi came on first uh, for Lingard, yeah. which I thought didn't really help mm-hmm. because 
it's, it's, it was we still were playing like a, a, a front three up on their defence. Mm-hmm. Although one year obviously has a bit more of a physical presence. Yeah, and what I was hoping as well is because Gibbs White is a bit more beefy as well, that him dropping into the number 10 would mean that he, he didn't drop... really drop into the number 10, though. That's the thing. That mm. It kind of stayed the same shape. Um, yeah, so this is something that's worth worth noting for people who didn't see any of the match, is that having had that 3-4-3 shape, rather than the 3-4-1-2 that we've seen Forrest play with so often last season, in the second half in particular, just like we saw in the second half at Man City, it became a sort of a 3-4-2-1 with the midfield forming a box... Mm. So we had Coyote and Yates as the deep ones, and then Lingard and Gibbs White as the kind of more advanced players, but in a sort of a box shape, which meant that we had one man up front, which was Brennan for mm. some of that time, and then a one year a little bit later on. So a slight change in shape, which was to counter the fact that Bournemouth had adopted that shape mm. as well. So as ha- Bournemouth matched us, we tried to match them. Don't think it worked. No, um, um, I mean... I think I've read other people say about this box formation, part of the point of it is it's to give you pressing up front, mm-hmm. to allow you to press up front. And that's probably why our our attackers ended up level with their defenders and it, we ended up with, with what, what this flat line. Mm. When Dennis came on, it did make a difference, mm-hmm. but that's just because we had more physical prep. We, well, we basically... Um, Jono, a one-year coming on basically took Jono out of the game completely. Mm-hmm. He, he's one of those who can drift out of games quite a lot, but you yep. always expect the unexpected of him. But when a one year came on, Jono just drifted. He, he, I don't think he even touched the ball after he came on. Mm-hmm. Um, when Dennis came on, then it, we did turn into that sort of one-two up front. Yeah. And that their physical presence meant that we actually ended up just hoofing it long a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd play it back t- to the back three, hoof it long, try it, knock it down, and then take it back to the back and then hoof it again. And it's worth noting that Dennis came on in 85 minutes and he I don't think he touched the ball before Bournemouth took the lead. So mm. let's just talk about, about that goal. Um, I don't want to dwell on it because it was the classic individual error. So McKenna on the touchline under pressure from Dom Solanke. Uh, you know, eight times out of ten, he hits it back to the goalkeeper, no problems. Uh, one of the other times he decides he's going to hoof it into Rosette because he's... And you can see in the replay, because of that pressure, he got his body shape all wrong, the ball got caught under his boot. It was a dribbler rather than a nice firm pass, which meant that Solanke got in behind. He played the ball in. Jaden Anthony had the freedom of the six-yard box to, to put it past Henderson. And it's an awful goal to concede, but one of those which you kind of say is... I mean, it felt inevitable, didn't it? Yeah, well, this is the thing. It's not really McKenna's fault because we all knew they were going to get a third. Mm. Yeah, Okay, But it meant that as well, we had three minutes plus stoppage time to go, at which point it was McKenna and Cook more or less went up front and it was hoofing it, which is something that Steve Cooper was very reluctant to do last season. And maybe it's just one of those needs-must type things today. It's the Premier League. It's against a team who may or may not end up in the similar part of the table to us at the end of the season. And also, it's important to try and avoid three defeats in a week. Mm. So, it didn't work. Let's just, let's just put it, uh, say that. And it meant that the match ended 3-2 to Bournemouth. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so very, very disappointing results there, Baz. And we talked a lot about some of the tactical issues and, and team selection issues. As a pod, you know, you and I have been podcasting for a long, long time, and we've long accepted that no matter who the manager is, there's always going to be dead times that you're going to criticise the team selection, you're going to criticise the tactics. But it seems odd that it worked for most of the match against Tottenham, but then against Tottenham we barely got a shot on target. And then Man City, you'd have thought there's nothing to lose by playing a number nine. Today, against potentially another team who will be in the same mini-league as us. Why, why isn't he playing centre-forward? I, I, I really don't understand it. I can kind Well, I can kind of understand playing those three if you're going to get the opportunity to pass the ball about and ping it and work spaces through the opposition defence. You're not going to be able to do that against Bournemouth. We, we played them enough times to know they're going to be quite physical and they're going to stop us. Mm, and... Yeah. And so I don't understand why you'd go with that tactic. Mm. I think we had a problem with the front three because of that, and we had a problem with the back three because they're still our championship back three. Yeah, we'll talk. Think, a, we'll I talk think, about. We'll talk about the back three in in just a minute. Mm. Um, we've talked about the tactical dimension about how Gary O'Neill did adjust his team's formation and tactics uh, successfully because Bournemouth did outplay us and they were the deserved winners. So let's hear a view from Kirk from the Cherries Red Army podcast. Wow, what a result for the Cherries. 3-2 versus Nottingham Forest. And that just a week after our 9-0 drubbing at Anfield where Scott Parker told us that we didn't belong in the Premier League. Well, it looks like a good decision now by the club to have sacked him and given that interim job to Gary O'Neill. We got a good clean sheet midweek 0-0 result against Wolves and went into this game in good spirits. Formation-wise, we set up exactly how we did against Wolves, unchanged. But after 45 minutes... We were brought back down to earth a little bit. It was 2-0 to Nottingham Forest, although the penalty for me was a bit dodgy. It's one of those penalty decisions that if they go for you, you're happy for it. But if they go against you, you're just devastated. So it wasn't looking good at 2-0 half-time. But Gary O'Neill made a formation change, brought on a substitute, and we got back in the game. Philip Billing, he scored the first one to make it 2-1, and he loves a goal at the city grounds. And Dom Slanky got off the mark with an overhead kick with a... Nick on from the Nottingham Forest defender to take it over Dean Henderson. And at 2-2, it would have been a good draw for the Cherries. I said 1-1 prior to this game, so a good draw it would have been. But we wanted more, and a mistake by the Nottingham Forest defender allowed Dom Solanke to get ahead and square the ball for Jaden Anthony, our young prospect. And there were limbs in the away end for Bournemouth. And 3-2 is a fantastic result for us. And I did think prior to this game it would be a good time to play Nottingham Forest. 21, 22 new players. That time takes time to gel, takes time to bed in. Nottingham Forest may be OK in this Premier League, but it's going to have to click for them. And 
maybe they took it for granted at half time and they thought this game was over. So tensions between the teams last season. We had some very good football matches and the first game in this Premier League was also a juicy one as well. And look, a message to Scott Parker, just like one of our contributors on our channel said, we can compete in this Premier League, if you believe. Thank you very much, Kirk. Now, Bas, I want to come back to what we're talking about before we heard from Kirk, which is the back three. And on our WhatsApp group, we've had lots of talk about this just in the hour or so since the match ended. And understandably so. So the the main thing is naturally people are focusing upon the fact that our back three, as it is, hasn't got a huge amount of pace. And we've been saying that all season. We know that's a problem. And Nia Kate was signed to remedy that. And he looked like he was remedying that for the game and a half that he played. But he's torn his hamstring. We might not see him before the World Cup break. Um, we don't know, maybe Lo- that's why Loic Bade has been signed, to try and add that kind of dimension of pace. That we've. But he wasn't in the squad today. Mm-hmm. And Willy Bolly, who was on the bench, is not fast. So there is a bit of an issue. Now, and, and, and by the way, just a quick mention to Tom of our podcast, who said they look like they're pulling a caravan the majority of the time while cooking <laughs> McKenna. Um Maradon the Midlands, who you've regular listeners will have heard on our podcast many times, um, you'll all know that he's, uh, you know, he's, he would call himself a realist, I'd call him a pessimist, but he has said for the last few weeks, we cannot play with a back three in the Premier League. Do you have any sympathy with his view? I think we can't play with two in central midfield in the Premier League. Whether you take that extra player from the front three or from the back three, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we need extra weight in the middle of the park and the current way we're set up leaves us very, very empty in the middle. And having signed quite a lot of central midfielders, including players who can sit in that, you know, sit in that position and, and hopefully dictate play. So Kiate with his physical presence and his mobility, Froehler with his nous um, and experience We've got players who can do them. We've got Yates with his, you know, with his um, uh, athleticism. And then O'Brien, who's, you know, a, a worker bee. Now, they're different types of players, all of them. But we've got enough players to, to do that, haven't we? Yeah. And, and I mean, that's when we were on our spree of signing central midfielders, I was like, if we're going to play this same formation that we played last season, where are we going to put them all? Mm-hmm. Now it seems like we need them and we're still playing the same formation. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. So do you think it's a formation thing? I think, well, if, if, we've, if we're, we're playing a formation with only two central midfielders, you can't fit three in there. Mm-hmm. So in your humble opinion, we've heard what Maradona, Maradona in the Midlands thinks. He would take out one of the centre-halves to get that extra man in, mid, in midfield. So it sounds as though we all agree that we need the extra presence in yeah. midfield in the Premier League. Um, would, so he would take that out of, the, out of the back line. Would you take it out of the back line or would you take it out of the front three? I'd probably take it out of the front three because I think, actually... We, we've probably got more talent up front that could deal with having one one man fewer. Mm-hmm. And I guess the argument there as well is with players like Awanyi and Dennis, there's more chance of their physical presence making, enabling them to hold the ball up, which yeah. means that, you know, although it's not necessarily their natural game, 
players like Yates and Froehler and O'Brien can maybe run onto it, etc., etc. Um, well, I'm, I'm looking at you. You look at the, the front players we've got. We've got Dennis and um, Iwanyi who can hold the ball up. We've got Johnson who can hit someone on the break. We've got uh, Gibbs White and Lingard who can unlock a defence. So, yeah, there's a lot of talent there. Uh, so to play three small people who are all very, very similar in what they do, it just it, as I said, it don't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So Forrest have obviously got... A bit of a break now, having had a really punishing, you know, three Premier League games in less than a week is very, very punishing. Um, in some ways, you'd think it's good because it means that the team can can kind of get used to each other in a match situation. But equally, I'm sure Steve Cooper would say that he'd want to get the players playing, um, you know, training together first yeah. to kind of and work on them tactically. Um, incidentally, Cooper did say the goals were a consequence of how we played. The goals we conceded, that is, were a consequence of how we played in the second half. So he's not shying away from the fact that it wasn't just that Bournemouth got lucky, it was that they, yeah. they outdid us in all, in all departments. And, and obviously the momentum change coming after that goal by Billing. So that's, he's not shying away from that, the question being what are the solutions. And, and uh, you know, as, as always happens after a defeat... And particularly a defeat that feels damaging like this one. You know, this feels more damaging than Man City yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in many, many ways. Uh, so naturally now we've got 30,000 football managers on phone-ins, on mm. Twitter, um, grumbling on their way out of the game and in the pubs who are saying, well, I could do better than that. Um, so who knows? So we will ponder over that. And in the meantime, let's have a roundup of the transfer news coming from Callum. Hi, this is Callum with the 1865 News. A busy, busy week for transfers again. Obviously, the window is shut now. Uh, it ended with, well, Lottie was announced after the Spurs game, um, finally. And then Willy Bolly, Loic Bade and Josh Bowler were all announced on deadline day, with obviously Josh Bowler heading to Olympiacos on loan. Um, Batshuayi fell through from Chelsea and ended up at Fenerbahce. And Serge Aurier is still expected to join Forest. Um, but when that is, I'm not too sure. Um, and obviously, Alex Mighton went out to Sheffield Wednesday on loan. So that was all of the transfers done and dusted in the last week, uh, leaving a very big list of names added to the squad. Um, and then in terms of any other news, Oral Mangala was confirmed to be out with hamstring injury, whether it's days, weeks. Steve Cooper said it shouldn't be too much longer than that. Um, obviously, the the list of injuries with the new signings is uh, it's becoming a bit a bit larger now with Niakate and bits like that. So hopefully they they get well soon. Um, could do with a couple of them back. And uh, and yeah, thank you very much. I'll be back with the news again soon. Thank you very much, Callum. Um, Baz, just to finish off, uh, we've talked about the problems. We've talked about what's happened in the match. Um, we're going to have a one of our roundup shows coming up next week to discuss the transfers in the season so far. So I'm sure our panel will get stuck into that. Uh, do you think it's a good thing that we've now got an eight day break before the Leeds match? Yeah, I think actually that that's probably the, the best positive out of the last week is we've got this. The, Modern football managers talk a lot about the patterns of play and they seem to work off playbooks and they define the pitch in certain when the ball's in this area, 
these are the moves that you need to be making so they, they all the players understand what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to work together. So eight days to, to work on that stuff is absolutely vital because we did look disconnected today. And then these, this little run of games that we've come, got coming up next... I mean, yeah, we'd have been overjoyed if we'd taken something from Spurs and Man City, but we knew that this first, whatever, five games of the season were going to be really tough. And then this little run coming up next, these are the ones where we need to pick up points. Mm-hmm. So we need to get the next eight days right. OK. And just as somebody who lives in Leeds, um, at the start of the season we were discussing about how Leeds had made some good signings, but Jesse March still hadn't won over the Leeds fans... In the first few matches of the season, it seemed as though they were a bit more convinced by him. But obviously, they've, they've not done well in the last couple of matches results-wise. So, is this a case of, fingers crossed, Leeds will still have some injury problems and Leeds will still be on a bit of a downer? And hopefully, there might be something we can get out of that. See, um, yeah, from what I can see of them, I don't, I don't understand where... where the, it's, I think it's as much a... Uh, a getting to know you kind of situation sim- similar to us because Jesse March, even though his style is relatively similar to Bielsa, it's it's different enough that the players are almost starting from scratch. So yeah, same. They're in a similar position to us. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for today. So thank you very much to you, Baz. Thank you also to Callum for the news roundup, and thank you to Kirk from the Cherries Red Army podcast for uh, giving us your thoughts. Um, To you, listener, thanks as always for joining us. It would be great if you could take the time to vote for us in the Football Content Awards. You can do that. We are um, nominated in the Best Club Content Creator category, which is a lot of things to say, (laughs) a lot of hard C's to say. Um, And you can view the details in our pinned tweet on our Twitter feed, or you can go to the Football Contents Award awards website and the voting closes on sunday the 4th of september so if you're listening to this on sunday we'd love it if you'd give us a nod we'll be back in the week with our roundup show and then we'll be back again after the leeds match sports social podcast network okay round two name something that's not boring Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.